Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 67. Uh, this week, it's just myself, Michael, and Sarah, and we have a guest, Bronwyn Mercer, who's here to talk to us about privilege access. But before we get to Bronwyn, uh, why don't we take a quick lap around the news? Uh, Sarah, why don't you kick things off? Okay, so yeah, um, so first, I've got one bit of, it's kind of news and also an ask to folks. Um, so uh, you may know that at Ignite, we uh, we uh, announced the preview of Defender for DevOps. And so we're actually asking uh, folks to go and try the preview and uh, actually give us your feedback on it. So we'll put the link to the um, the questionnaire in the show notes. It, it can be anonymous as well, so you don't have to give us give us all your details. Um, but please give us your free and frank, uh, uh, the good and the bads about it if you've had a play. Uh, if you haven't, then you know please go download the preview and have a go with it, um, because uh, the product group for Defender for DevOps would love to hear your feedback. So uh, yeah. As I said, I'll put the, the feedback link in the show notes. And if you've had a play and you want to tell us what you think, please do. And that's just, that's me for this week, Michael. Very cool. Hey, I've got a few items. So the first one is, and this is actually really good to see, actually. So as your resource manager, so Arm, um, starting next year, we'll start deprecating um, older versions of TLS. So TLS 1.0 and 1.1. Uh, you may think, oh, you know, no one's using TLS 1.1 or 1.0. You'd be surprised. It amazes me how, from a compatibility perspective, uh, we have to have like a long, long lead time to, to deprecate some of these things. Um, yeah, it's a hard problem. So anyway, that's uh, going to be a link to that in the show notes. Another one is uh, back to TLS. Um, so Application Gateway uh, now supports TLS 1.3 and TLS 1.3 Cypher Suites, which is uh, which is great to see as well. On a... Um, one of my favorite sort of services in Azure is Azure Key Vault and Azure Managed HSM. So Azure Managed HSM now has the ability to offload TLS traffic to Managed HSM. Uh, so there's a library that we've produced. So in your code, you can actually do the crypto inside of Managed HSM, which is actually kind of nice because that way it uh, reduces one of the performance bottlenecks, certainly in the, um, you know, the initial kind of handshake of the TLS communication. On a personal note, um, my my book with my colleagues Heinrich and Simone is finally out. That's finally done. I got my I got it in my pinkies right now. Uh, so designing and developing secure Azure solutions is now available for order. It's great to to finally have it done. Also on a sort of personal note, so last week I was in Seattle and I talked at a SQL database conference, which is actually the first time I've ever actually spoken to a well, a database con- like a pure database conference, which actually, which was actually a lot of fun because you know here's the security guy talking about well security in general, like security discipline to a database audience, and it was uh, very well received, and it was, I got a lot of feedback, and also you know I learned a heck of a lot of, uh, at the same time. Also, while I was there, we uh, released SQL Server 2022, um, so that's now generally available. I'll provide a link to a YouTube video. Uh, hosted by Anna Hoffman. She's in the SQL Server team uh, called Data Exposed. And towards the end, um, I talk about some of the features that are in um, SQL Server 2022 from a security standpoint. So that's all the news I've got. Um, so with that, let's hand it over to our guest. So as I mentioned, this week we have Bromwyn Mercer, who's here to talk to us about privileged access. So Bromwyn, first of all, welcome to the podcast. And second, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of an overview of uh, what you do? 
For sure. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real privilege to be here and to be part of a podcast, which I listen to myself. Um, but to introduce myself, um, as Michael mentioned, my name is Bronwyn Mercer and I work as a security architect in Microsoft's consulting services team. So I get to work with organizations all around Australia, New Zealand, and APAC. So I'm based in Sydney, Australia, um, to help them implement Microsoft technologies. And um, what that means is making sure that I help those customers to bake in security by design. Um, I've also worked in Microsoft's compromise recovery team, which is a really interesting team that works with customers to recover them when they experience a serious cyber attack. Um, so I bring all of that experience from um, recovering customers into now the proactive side of security and help customers to uh, defend against real life examples of breaches. So um, yeah, it's really interesting. And I, I get to use a lot of cutting edge technologies in my work. Um, and I get to work with organizations who are pushing the boundaries of what's possible in technology. So excited to share some stories about privileged access. It's something that I encounter in every customer, regardless of whether we're working on a identity-based solution. There's always some element of privileged access that we have to look at. Fran, I'm going to say, let's go back to basics and just level set for the audience. What What is privileged access? What, what are we talking about when we say privileged access? Just, just so we're all on the same page. Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's multiple layers of privileged access, access in any environment. Um, when we talk about privileged access at Microsoft, we have um, some models around privileged access. So our enterprise access model, which is on um, our securing privileged access guidance. And, and that includes layers like the admins who have control over your identity systems. So a classic one is like Active Directory and Azure Active Directory. If you have admin access at that layer, you basically have control over the whole environment since, since most organizations integrate all of their systems with a centralized um, identity and access management system. Um, and then we have administrative access or you know the ability to make foundational changes to a service in um, a specific application or service. Um, so that could be maybe your SQL server, um, since I know Michael likes databases. Um, so there's there's those different layers in the environment. I consider, um, we, we used to have this, this thing called the tier model um, in um, on-prem environments and tier zero is really the most privileged type of access, which is the first one I talked about, which is your admin access in your identity system. Um, and then we had tier one, which is admin access within a specific service, like a business application. Uh, and then tier two is your admin access at the user device level. So maybe it's like your Intune admins who can influence your device security. So admin access is just a bucket that encompasses all those different levels of um, sensitive, high-privileged access across different types of systems in your environment. Let's jump into the fun bit, which is, uh, uh, and I'm sure people who are listening can probably think of their own as well, but 
can you give us some examples of like some some bad privilege access setup or maybe no privilege access setup? What what are the things you've seen out there in the wild? I've seen some pretty shocking things. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, uh, especially in my days working in compromised recovery, where most of the time companies who were breached had really poor privileged access management processes. So I've seen things like companies with 100 domain admins in their Active Directory and similar numbers of admins in global admins in their Azure Active Directory. Um, I've seen things like, for example, attackers targeting an on-prem Active Directory. They gain that level of high privileged access and then they remain persistent in that environment for a really long time, funneling out information like sensitive government information or sensitive um, corporate information and using that for you know, competitive purposes outside. Um, and then once they've got that foothold in the on-prem environment, generally they can then pivot into cloud-based environments like Azure or AWS and basically try and take control across the entire enterprise estate. So one particular example I can think of, which I always remember, is there was an attack on an Australian organisation and they basically the the attacker was able to fish a user through their on-prem device. They then enrolled a malicious application into Azure AD, so, you know, application registrations. If you don't have that locked down, um, anyone can pretty much uh, register an application into Azure AD. And then... Once they had that application enrolled with a high level of privileges, they were able to, um, it was actually an email application. So they were able to steal all of this email data out of the organization's um, email systems. And unfortunately for this organization, they used their email mailboxes as a way to store sensitive citizen data and the attacker registering the application and being able to get email data meant that they had access to a lot of sensitive data of Australian citizens um, and they were able to uh, use this data for things like fraud. So that attack started in the on-prem environment and then they were able to pivot into the cloud um, through an app registration. Um, And what we see is a lot of organisations, they start with on-prem and then they build out their cloud estate and you also have this high level integration between on-prem and the cloud through things like um, your identity synchronization between Active Directory and Azure Active Directory. So I guess the lesson learned from this particular cyber attack, which I was involved in responding to was um, if you have sensitive information stored in the cloud, if your cloud systems are production, like you've got real workloads sitting there, you need to make sure that you take a conscious effort, a conscious approach to securing both your on-prem and your cloud systems, especially that privileged access, lockdown, um, things like application registrations, which provide high levels of privileges to your sensitive data um, and look at your whole environment holistically rather than just one or the other. Um, so that, yeah, that was a really interesting um, breach that I got to respond to uh, a few years ago. So I have a little tale. I was working with a customer, we're going through a threat model, we're designing something out, 
and I was looking at you know, sort of a storage account that was being used in Azure, and we asked some questions about the mitigations and the sort of network accessibility to the storage account. And uh, we found out this uh, storage account was actually holding relatively sensitive information, and it was probably accessible to the internet. So we're on the call, and next thing, you know, one of the developers is like, hang on a minute, let me go and check. So he went to go and check from his laptop. He's actually sharing his laptop screen, and he actually connected to production from his general purpose laptop. And so I sent a message to the person I was mainly working with to say, hey, you know, remember that thing I said about the storage account possibly being accessed, you know, accessible to the to the internet? That kind of pales in comparison to, compared to what I just saw, which is, you know, some you know Joe Six Pack developer connecting to production from his general purpose laptop, uh, rather than rather than from a device which is designed specifically for sort of admin access, like to these higher levels of um, essentially sensitivity. So yeah, that's kind of one of my favorite little stories. Uh, and unfortunately, I see that quite a bit. Quite a bit. Do you, have you seen that quite a few times? I definitely have. I think a lot of organizations like this jump host type pattern for privileged access. Um, I think it doesn't help sometimes that some of the standards that exist out in the industry recommend having uh, that sort of pattern where you maybe you, you browse to a secure environment and uh, and then you do your administration from that environment. And I, I think that's now being misconstrued as you can use a less sensitive device to access a more sensitive environment from which you do your administration, when in fact, we want to maintain a level of integrity all the way from the hardware-based device to that sensitive administration environment to your uh, sensitive systems. So I'm sure you're aware, Michael, of the concept of a privileged access workstation, which is that secure hardware um, device that you use to then go and do your administration. And that should be hardware, not software, um, so that the attacker can't take control of um, the device you're doing to you're using to do your administration and, and add things like a keylogger onto that device, for example, and capture your session. Um, the whole access path has to be secure. I can think of a couple of stories too, Bron, um, around some of this. Um, but would you say there's, I mean, obviously you've just given us some examples as did Michael. Would you say there's any like typical mistakes that people make? Obviously you've, you've shared, you know, people having far too many admins and, and, uh, and you know, with high privilege admins, but are, th are there sort of common misconceptions or mistakes people make that you've seen around privileged access? I think the jump host one is pretty common. I also see organizations using a PAM type solution as a alternative to um, having a poor based device. So maybe they'll uh, browse up to a PAM from their regular user workstation, which means you're, you're accessing a sensitive environment still from a less sensitive or less secured um, environment. Um, so what I've done working with customers has been looking at ways that we can implement pores and you would access a PAM from a pore, um, but it's not either or. It's not like you, you need to have a you need to have a, a secure device and a, a PAM solution if you want to use a, a PAM solution, especially for managing um, quite sensitive systems in your environment like your identity systems. 
Um, so it's probably more patterns that I see. Um, like there's some kind of anti-patterns. Uh, the UK um, equivalent of the ACSC in Australia, they have some quite good privileged access anti-patterns published on their website. Um, so I definitely recommend checking out those and they include things like browse up patterns for uh, privileged administration and that's probably one of the places that I would go to have a look at some of those um, some models and patterns I guess in terms of more broader privileged access one of the other things would be having too many admins who are permanently assigned privileges so today we talk about just-in-time access when it comes to privileged access and I think tools like PIM that are built into Azure make that really easy but often in on-prem environments it can be quite tricky to implement that kind of just-in-time access especially if you don't have uh, a third-party technology um, or a PAM solution in your environment. And just for anyone who's listening, can we just recap what those acronyms are? Just um, for sure. So we so have PAM, PAM. a PAM solution is privileged access management, which yeah can perform a few different functions like password vaulting. It can do session management. Um, it can do just in time access to certain roles in your environment as well. Yeah, and and for and for those of us uh, for those of our listeners who aren't in Australia, the ACSC. In fact, you know what, Brad? I know who they are, and I can't remember th- what the acronym stands for right now. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I just they, looked up the the UK equivalent is the National Cybersecurity Centre, and in Australia we have the Australian Cybersecurity Centre, which is our so probably organisation. It's yeah. kind of like the NSA in the US. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say it's probably, uh, yeah, the US equivalent is probably like the NSA um, or something similar. So essentially, um, government agencies that, um, you know, help with cyber and give out guidance in that sense. Yeah. Um, and obviously most countries have them, I think, nowadays. So, well, we've already kind of gone into this a bit, but Bron, what is the solution to Privilege access. I mean, obviously, that's a big question, and there's many things you can do. But in simple terms, what would you say is the best thing uh, folks can do here? Yeah, good question. I mean, there's some really simple things you can do for your organization that make a huge difference. Things like making sure you have multi factor authentication enabled, least privilege, um, making sure that people don't have permanently assigned permissions. But we, Microsoft actually has some really good guidance published online, which is our Securing Privileged Access Guidance. And we used to refer a lot to the model I mentioned earlier, which is the tiered administration model, which provided the levels of separation within your Active Directory environment to make sure that admins weren't logging on to lower tier systems or less um, secure systems and exposing their credentials to those systems. Nowadays, we have a revised version of our privileged access model, which is called the enterprise access model. And it has some of the same concepts, like we want to make sure that we have high integrity um, workflows throughout the privileged access process, making sure you have a secure device, which is the same level of integrity as the system that you're accessing. Um, And by that, I mean, like you can't tamper with that device. And so you have a high level of confidence that the person who's 
accessing the sensitive system is who they say they are and the device hasn't been um, tampered with by an attacker. Um, so I would definitely recommend having a look at the enterprise access model. In fact, I actually had a chance to work with a customer earlier this year on a greenfield Azure deployment. And the, one of the questions the customer had was, how do we set up our Azure environment using all of the Microsoft best practices for privileged access management? So this was an amazing uh, opportunity to apply those enterprise access model concepts to setting up privileged access from scratch using completely cloud native technologies without any of the tech debt, which we so often encounter when we're working in on-prem or hybrid environments. So what that solution looked like was, I mentioned privileged access workstations. We did have pores and they were completely cloud managed. They were managed using Intune and we had policies applied to those pores to harden them um, to make sure that they had a certain level of, uh, of integrity, as I mentioned. Um, and as part of the access into the environment, we were using conditional access to evaluate um, the posture of the device. Does it meet certain compliance policies? Is it fully patched? Does it have a low risk score according to Defender for Endpoint? Um, has the user authenticated using Windows Hello for Business? All of these signals to come together in something that very much resembles our zero trust model. And that evaluation happen happens using CA, the admin accesses Azure, and then in order to access their uh, roles like global administrator, they then use uh, PIM and they have workflows to um, approve their access to those privileged roles. Um, in addition, those accounts which they're using to log onto their device and access Azure are all cloud-only accounts for privileged access. So we're not using any synchronization. I mean, this environment is cloud-native anyway, so we didn't have um, any of that, the on-prem dependencies. But that is, that's probably one of the best examples I've seen of an organization who has set up their privileged access according to Microsoft's public guidance, and we've used uh, Zero Trust as, a, as the foundation, and we've implemented all of the cloud-native controls across the privileged access workflow. Um, and they're, they're um, really enjoying it so far because all of their administrators are distributed all across Australia, um, and some of them are overseas as well, and they don't need to worry about things like am I on the organization's network? Like, am I within the trusted IP range of the organization's network? That doesn't matter anymore. It's all about, is your device secure? Have you authenticated using strong authentication? Windows Hello for Business is um, great because it balances the, the usability and the security aspects. Um, and then um, are you elevating your privileges just in time and having that access approved? So that combination has enabled that customer to be very productive in their privileged access workflows. So highly recommend having a look at our public guidance. And I've actually been working on some updates to that guidance to help with providing some of the lessons learned from the projects I've worked on through my consulting engagements so that we can help customers to see those success stories. Because I think sometimes if you just read the documentation, it can be a little bit abstract and you need some good examples. So keep a lookout 
um, on our public docs, uh, like our Securing Privileged, Ac- Privileged Access docs for um, updates hopefully coming soon. That's, that's super cool. Um, I will definitely need to look at that. So I know that you, uh, you, you did sort of just allude to this before you were talking about a customer that was totally greenfield, but, um, when you've got a completely greenfield solution, let's say it's ideal case with zero tech debt, you know, what, what would be, you know, your, like, where would you start if, you know, there was zero tech debt. What's what's the best thing to do? Um, obviously, yeah, you, you've worked with, you've been lucky enough to work with some customers like that. Don't think I've ever worked with customers with zero tech debt. That's very exciting. What a unicorn! It was an amazing opportunity, um, and I definitely take those learnings into my other customers, who most of whom are hybrid. Um, I think the the general type of organization that I work with still has a lot of on-prem infrastructure and usually they're still running all of their identity systems out of Active Directory rather than using Azure AD as the master. That's pretty uh, uncommon in my experience. Um, But where I would start if I was setting up from scratch is, I mean, from my experience on that customer, we started with firstly having separate admin accounts which were cloud only. So you know, we had on Microsoft.com accounts in that that customer's tenant. Uh, we had uh, conditional access policies. So we had a baseline set of conditional access policies for access into the tenant. We didn't start with pause. That was a piece that came along later. But at the very start, when we were building the tenant, uh, we did have CA policies to um, evaluate things like multi-factor authentication. That was priority number one. Um, to look at things like where those logins were coming from. So it was an Australian-based customer. So all of our, um, our our admins were coming from Australia. And I think we also had some perhaps device registration requirements, but it was fairly minimal at the beginning. Um, we did also set up PIM at the beginning as well. So Um, We didn't have everyone with global administrator privileges. Um, It should be pretty pretty rare that you need to have people who uh, are using global admin every single day. Um, If you're delegating privileges properly, you can request that access and then use it as required. Uh, We also set up PIM for some of the high-privileged Azure resource roles, so Azure RBAC roles like contributor and owner, um, it should be pretty rare as well that you need to have those kind of privileges, especially in a production environment, if you're using uh, DevOps type process processes to deploy your infrastructure. So in this case, we were using um, Azure DevOps to deploy all of our infrastructure. And so most of the infrastructure up- updates were coming through the pipelines. Um, so yeah, least privilege all the way, I'd say. Fair enough. I mean, least privilege is pretty, well, we've been preaching least privilege for a long time, right? <laughs> but And I, um, I think the thing is, though, you need to keep watching it. So it builds up over time. And so even when that system went live, we did have to do another cull of user access because even if you have great processes, you still need to trust but verify and go back and do those regular user access reviews. There's like a process component as well that you need to look at. Um, to operationalize your privileged access management. 
in your environment? Well, in one of my previous roles, one of my previous employers, we used to do the privileged access uh, review manually. It took a really long time. It was something people dreaded doing. We actually got third-party people, contractors in to come and do it, which I'm sure was very expensive. And, you know, the great thing is now at least we can... Uh, we have tools to make it a lot easier, but it is still iterative, right? We've still got to, uh, we've still got to keep keep doing it, keep reviewing it, which I think is your point, right, Bron? Exactly. Yeah, I think one of the things about deploying systems in the cloud is it's not just a one-time activity. You have to have that mindset of continuous optimization. It's like optimization in a security sense, making sure that you improve your security processes and also like your overall governance, your cost management, all of the elements that go into running a environment that's that's well architected. There's definitely a process component. And I think that aligns with agile methodologies, um, things like continuous, um, continuous security, continuous optimization, all of those mindsets apply to security in the cloud. And I guess the other aspect of security in the cloud is that vendors like Microsoft are continuously releasing new features and, and things that you can enable to help you with your security. So I think of things like Entra, for example, which has come in and provided a bunch of new features that you can use. Um, if you were just using the features that you used one year ago in the cloud, you're already behind because you're not using all the benefits that you get from your licensing. So even just reviewing what's available to you from a licensing licensing perspective is extremely valuable. So, you, you know, you might not need another third-party product because Microsoft will introduce something that's included in um, your E5 licensing bundle, for example. So um it, it really is that iterative process where you keep building up your your capabilities over time. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, it, and even for those of us that work at Microsoft, it can be hard to keep up with everything that changes, right? Because the rate of change is so quick. Bron, it has been a pleasure. But what we always ask our guests before they leave is if you could leave our listeners with one thought, what would it be? I would say... It's all about the process and the technology. So make sure you have both of those components um, considered as part of your security strategy. I guess when it comes to privileged access, make sure you are reviewing your processes because things like what I mentioned earlier with 100 domain admins or 100 global admins, that's not just a technology weakness. It is also a process weakness. Make sure you are reviewing um, regularly how many people have that sort of high level of access in your environment because that's going to be what an attacker is going to abuse to remain persistent in your environment if they get in. Um, and today we, we say it's not just a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So do think about the technology and the process aspects and try and balance security and usability that's the, that would be the main things that I would say. Um, it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it is all about it's all about making sure that your security controls are highly usable and fit for purpose, especially for your business users. Yeah, 
I couldn't agree more. Thank you ever so much, Bron, for joining us uh, this time. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if uh, if you're in the US, enjoy the holiday period that is coming up. Um, and, well, if you're listening to this relatively close to when we <laughs> release it. Um, and uh, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.